I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Madly Forever. I'm really excited to be here today with Jamie Brooks, a marriage and family therapist who works mostly with women, but also with couples and has a really fascinating background in exploring a healthy marriage and sex therapy. So I'm really excited to dive in and learn more. I'm happy to be here and happy to talk to you about it and excited. Um, So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I was initially, you know, diving into your website and really loved the aesthetic. I loved how welcoming it was. And thank you. It just seems like it's a place that I would want to go get therapy just by by the look and feel of of your website. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I dug in and I saw that you have worked in a marriage lab, Mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. Um, And that you're also a trained sex therapist Mm -hmm. in addition to working, you know, with women who are high powered individuals and creatives and all of that. Um, And so I wanted to to have you on the podcast to dive into the idea of what does, you know, enhance someone's sex life. And that's really, you know, one of the focuses of Madly Forever and also, you know, an individual's growth. Yeah, um, as well is so important. So absolutely. It's all important, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have kind of tailored my work around like in, in terms of couples mm-hmm. is our happiness in our relationships, the number one predictor of our satisfaction in life. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out a way to do that really well and helping other people to do that really well is really important to me. Um, especially so many of us in our generation have come from divorced homes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really large desire to do better than our parents did. And whether or not our parents, our own parents were married or not married, um, we want a lot out of our relationships. And so how do you go about doing that? How do you nurture your own path as a human, as well as, your, your partnership together Mm -hmm. and make sure that it's fulfilling for both of you. Um, and so in that I worked in the marriage lab at UCLA about, it was the 30 year study of what makes good marriages. And, um, I also found that a lot of therapists are not comfortable talking about sex, Hmm. which is ludicrous, you know, cause it's such, it's, there's so much around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, So to me, it doesn't get to be an area that you get like itchy and opt out of when you're doing intimate work with, with people. And so that's when the sex therapy came into it. Cause I really wanted to be able to serve people well in that way too, as part of the whole picture, not something that was exempt from what we should be talking about. And, um, so yeah, I don't do like sex therapy specifically, but I'm well-versed in 
how to take care of that in like the overarching right and how to hold space for that conversation which is really key because I think if someone senses the therapist is uncomfortable then they shut down oh my gosh it happens all the time yeah so I try to beat people to the punch yeah and just be on top of it yeah (laughs) Yeah. make sure that everybody knows like it's fine you could say fuck like you could be crude like you can say the uncomfortable thing and it's fine like it's all fine yeah and you don't have to say any of those things right but you're you're welcome to yeah yeah that's therapeutic in itself just knowing that um, so the marriage lab, I want to hear everything about that. That sounds like such a fascinating experience. It was, a, gosh, it was like, it's been a long time. It was like 15 years ago that I did that. But, um, what was really interesting, one of the main findings of that was that the most, it studied mostly like, um, heterosexual couples. So, you know, that's the limitations of it being such a, a long-term study, but the number one finding was that the marriages that had the highest success rate were the ones where the women were able to express their anger Hmm. because in the relationships where the women didn't allow themselves to be angry or express their needs, they became depressed and withdrawn from the relationship, which ultimately didn't serve the relationship because in heterosexual couples, the women tends to be the motor of change. And so when they weren't allowing themselves to have that position, like the relationship withered. And makes so much sense. I know, right? Makes so much sense. And yeah. also just the reality mm-hmm. that women ebb and flow more than men. Mm-hmm. Women are more cyclical, just the nature mm-hmm. of getting, you know, a period and allowing the man to make uh, the, the man allowing the woman to feel safe to express themselves within mm-hmm. all of that volatility mm-hmm. is like really important because yeah. if the woman can't share or has to like hide parts of themselves certain times of the month or mm-hmm. even just in general, it's really toxic for the relationship. Yeah. And if a woman gets to the point where like she's withdrawn from the relationship, it's really hard to come back from that. Mm. Um, so it's really important that we stay current and we allow ourselves to be the motor of change and to be angry when you're angry, you know, and it doesn't, the world doesn't burn down. Like right. it's fine. Right. Right. Everybody can handle it. And then everybody knows what's needed and what their job is and what needs to change and what should stay the same and how to take care of each other. Right. Um, but trying to make yourself smaller and have few needs doesn't end up serving the relationship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite and if you effect. start from that point, like if you can't be real about your needs, you never maybe trust that if you do express it, that it will be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And in my work with women, we're having such a hard time knowing what we need. Hmm. Like it takes a lot of work to not just ask for what we need, but to like even know what that is, to even register that. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Not asking for what you want and then being upset with your partner and resentful Uh when they don't do the thing. Uh Uh-huh. But you don't realize that that was specifically what you had in mind until like that need wasn't met. Right. But then it's not fair for your partner. Of course. Because like nobody knew that. You didn't even know it until you didn't get what you needed. And so how do you develop that relationship with yourself where you can be current in real time with what you want, what you expect, if it's a want, if it's a need, if you can be flexible on it, if like it's a non-negotiable. Right. Um, but we're so conditioned to, to be small, to Hmm. not inconvenience people, to not take up extra room, um, and to be accommodating. 
And so, yeah, and it's so much it's based on what you saw with your parents. Like you said, yeah. like if that was the example you saw from your mom, yeah, then maybe that's what, or if it was an extreme version where she wasn't that way and then you want to be right that way. Yeah. You know? Like she was overbearing. Exactly. Yeah. And then culturally too, you know, like how has it been, how, how, how have you been a good woman in the world, uh-huh. you know, and that's really changing right now. Uh-huh. Like it's all, it's such an interesting time to be doing this. Cause there's so many things that are really shifting. Totally. Um, and our individual work as women and, and our relationships. Um, I love that <laughs> trying to assist people in learning about their own wants and needs mm-hmm. and helping them navigate that inner world and having sort of a coherent understanding of their desires. Mm-hmm. So how do you help guide that process? Like how do you help people really step into their individuality and their, you know, just their, their knowing of themselves? Yeah. Um, it's a process. It's a process. And it's so confusing at first for people. Like I'll even like say like, well, what's important to you? What do you need? And that, you know, like if we're talking about a particular situation Mm -hmm. and it's like a blankness comes over, it's confusing to even Mm -hmm. begin to understand. But then in our work together, as more time goes on, like they, they learn to trust themselves. They learn to be more in tune and pay better attention to like what's happening and mm-hmm. when it's happening and how they know what's happening. And the more you nurture that in yourself, the clearer it gets mm-hmm. and, um, the less confusing it is. And so that's how it just takes time and questions. And honestly too, the time that you take in therapy is you stop moving, you stop doing all the other stuff and you have an opportunity to sit down and be like, it's a good question. Like, <laughs> how do I feel about that? Uh-huh. Um, and just carving out the time for, for that to be explored. Like, right. Yeah. Well, would you have been disappointed if it went this way? Uh-huh. Would you felt relieved if it went this way? Um, all of it. So, yeah. Cause most people are just operating on autopilot yeah. without even pausing to say, Oh, did I create this? Or, you know, did I do anything that could have, you know, maybe prevented this myself by just voicing something yeah, or sharing something. Yeah. Do you ever work with couples together? Yeah. I work with couples together a lot. Um, I love doing couples work and it's really dynamic work. There's so much going on in the room. Um, they bring it to you, you know, like you can see, right. It's like watching television. Like it acts out right right there. Right. Uh-huh. What has been your experience working with couples and, you know, how have, what have they come in with? What are like the most common problems that you see or the most common complaints? Or- the most common complaint is every single couple that comes in at some point brings up like the issue of cell phone usage. Cell phone usage. Yes. Like huh. it's like a real issue in people's relationships right like now. Technology addiction. Yeah. That's interesting. And not really that surprising. Yeah. I know such a mundane thing, but like that is definitely the thing that is most consistent. And I love what Esther Perel says. I'm sure you've heard this, but she's like, don't have your cell phone be the last thing you're stroking before bed. And when you're the first thing in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I know know. so many people that is the case. They're they're literally like, we're so drawn to it. We're not present in the room with our partners. And, um, we tend to be, yeah. we're hypocrites. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. We're, we're so hypocritical about yeah. it. You know, like you want their attention when you're, have your attention on them, but then so true. it's never at the same time. So, so true. Um, 
but that's a small thing, but it is really, really consistent. I think the other thing is, is, um, we marry people or we partner up with people who tend to have like similar worldviews and goals and all of that. Like that's how we decide who we're going to make our, our partner. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, we think that because we have those similarities that we need to be similar in all the ways. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my work with people is, is helping them to understand that like their partner is entitled to their own like journey in life. Yeah. And you're witness to it and you're the support. And in some ways, those journeys will be very similar. And in other ways, like you're your own person and they're their own person and you don't get to dictate the priorities and the order of which somebody else lives their life. And it's really confusing for people. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to see like, well, I value this and my husband doesn't value this. And like, therefore he needs to value that, but he, but he doesn't, you so, know, and how yeah. to make room for that and how to stay connected in that and supportive of that. And, um, stop expecting that other people, even your partner lives according to your inner logic. Right. And still seeing the, the value of somebody else's priorities and logic. And just understanding them yeah. so that you can support them. Yeah. And that they can safely communicate that to yeah. you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have you studied um, or do you know about the Enneagram? I haven't taken one, but I've heard about it. It's amazing. So the that, personality test. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I actually, I don't think any of the Enneagram tests are super great. I mean, it's a, it's a fun place to start and it's quick and it's easy. Um, but even if you learn about the different types, you'll be able to identify yourself mm. probably better than taking a test. I oh, think. interesting. But what I love about that personality typing system is there's nine numbers and nine personality types and each personality types has like the high functioning part and the low functioning part. And at any given day, you're on a continuum of like the shitty parts of being that kind of person and like the amazing parts of being that kind of person. (laughs) And no one's perfect all the time. No, no. (laughs) We want to stay on the the healthier side and get there. And like, that's the goal. Uh But what it also really does a good job at demonstrating is that like what you're really good at is what you're good at. And that is not a given it's your strengths because when we're good at something and, and that's like what we orient to, it's so easy to think that like, yeah, obviously that's the way that you should think about things or that's uh-huh. the way that things should be done. But it's not, it's that you happen to be really good at details and attention uh-huh. to details. And so you understand about the strengths and the weakness of all the other numbers. And so you can appreciate your own strengths and weaknesses and also appreciate what the other person is bringing to the table instead of being really mad that they're not like executing your strengths. Totally. Um, It's an important marriage, you know? Yeah. It actually reminds me, we've been touring preschools for my daughter and we toured a Waldorf school. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes me think that like the Waldorf school is sort of preparing people for, for this exact concept of mm-hmm. like understanding strengths and weaknesses and, and being a team player and yeah. being able to, to really collaborate and cooperate with each other. Cause you know, you stay with the same small group of people for, you know, since you're in preschool yeah. until like high school is like their goal is to keep everyone there, yeah. which is very specific and, and limited in some ways, I think. And with the same teacher for like many years as well. Really? But their idea is that you're able to like understand people really, really well and to 
have to repair relationships, have to mm-hmm. like deal with this set of circumstances that you're given mm-hmm. instead of just being like, oh, I'll just not be friends with that person anymore and go be friends with this person or like, oh, well, okay, this year ended new slate. You know, it's like you have to like continually accept people mm-hmm. and accept their strengths, accept their weaknesses and help them where they need it, which yeah. I think is really interesting. It is really interesting. And with anything, like there's strengths and weaknesses to that. Like the idea that people aren't disposable is a really important concept right now because with social media, which is an amazing thing and it connects people so much, but there's the other side of that of feeling like there's an unlimited amount of people that you can just, you know, like it's a real problem for people who are dating. Yeah. Um, and dating apps in general, because that's also, it's like, yeah, it's like just a directory a of the world. You right? don't have to have any patience or allowance for like the full spectrum of somebody's personality and way of being, which we all have, like we're the total of the good parts and the bad parts, but it's also really important to know how to meet new people and to like start relationships from scratch mm-hmm. and to be open, you know? And so, right. You know, that might be. Do the, a lot of people part. come to you in general with technology addiction issues? rather um, than just it being a complaint in couples no. counseling like that's no. not like something that what do most people what do you find like most people are struggling with these days anxiety really everybody's anxious and tell me more like what is like what is the feeling that this collective feeling clearly that people are coming with yeah I don't think there's an easy answer to that um the women that I see tend to be really perfectionistic driven most of them are entrepreneurial or creative entrepreneurs. So that in itself is a particular personality type. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to live their lives really intentionally. And so that's your specific niche is that type of woman or is that just like, or is that like word of mouth? These people are friends with each other. So they find you or is it that you've created that? My goal was to work with couples and premarital couples, but my specialty chose me and it, chose me more perfectly than, than I would have chosen for myself really. Um, because I am that, that woman. I was just going to ask you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so I get it. And those are the people that just are drawn to come and see me who, um, what I provide, it resonates with them as well as like the word of mouth part. Mm -hmm. But, um, to the anxiety part, we're moving so fast we're so committed to multitasking all the time. So there's such little downtime, even in our minds. Um, we have less patience for pauses in conversations. Um, we have less patience for people's shortcomings that like, honestly, having the technology all the time is a a gift and a real problem at the same time. And we're, it's so new that we're trying to find our balance with that. Um, I also think like our food, our food is a real problem. And even the people that you see, these high powered women, they, you think the food, like in terms of what they're not eating, organic food or healthy no, food? No, I, I think our food source is messed up. You know, uh-huh. like people eat gluten, you know, not uh-huh. everybody's gluten free. And I think it's like, it's funny because it's not, it's not what I do. It's not like in the scope of like what a therapist does. But like, honestly, if you're drinking coffee all day, even if you're eating all organic, uh-huh. like it's going to deplete you. Yeah. yeah. It's going to make you anxious. If mm-hmm. you're eating a lot of sugar and having wine every night, it could really make you anxious and 
gluten really like makes people yeah. anxious and it seems like such a California woo-woo of like, <laughs> oh. It's like, so funny because last night I was actually watching um, this show. It's called Cooked. Have you heard of it? No. It's in the first episode of it. It's all about um, bread and about okay. like the like magic healing power of bread. I love bread. Yeah. yeah. And how like we've demonized gluten, but it's really just like the way that it's processed and that bread is actually like a miracle food that keeps you alive, like with like a full scope of nutrition coming from a little seed mm -hmm. that's turned into this thing that can sustain us. Um, and it's just so interesting because yeah, this whole like gluten, it was, it was kind of saying like this whole gluten-free thing is like, has taken like a crazy turn because if we just ate like less processed good bread mm -hmm. there'd be no issue <laughs> yeah but yeah if we were eating the the bread in france or italy yeah exactly yeah but just like our homemade. food source is so yeah exactly up. yeah yeah um for sure we could have like a whole nother one yeah. on <laughs> exactly <laughs> All about nobody food. wants to hear me talk about that because <laughs> i'm definitely not the expert on it but <laughs> but it does factor in and play Absolutely. a part like the, the leaky gut thing. Um, and then people are so much lonelier hmm. and less connected, even though we're so much more connected in the technological way. And, you know, um, the surgeon general said that that was like the number one risk factor in Americans, like more than smoking. Loneliness? Loneliness. For heart disease and everything. And just for everything. Disease. Yeah. And huh. that includes anxiety because, um, like human connection, like genuine, real human connection, face to face, the good, bad, the indifferent, um, is really important to our physical and mental well-being. Totally, because you can feel like you're getting that need um, met by yeah. these very superficial. Which, I mean, in some ways, like if you live in the middle of nowhere and you can't get out that much, it is a really good. Or you're, let's say, you're really old and you can't get out that mm -hmm. much. Like for example, my, my Papa Joe, who's 98, like, I just feel like it's so amazing that we can FaceTime and that we can like, he can be on social mm -hmm. media and like, yeah. talk to people. But then there's like the, you know, just like that you, you feel like you're getting your needs met. So you don't really have to push yourself to go out. Right. And then it's like creeps up on you. Cause you're like, Oh, I actually like don't know how to be around people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the ebb and flow of conversation becomes mm -hmm. more awkward. And then I hear people talk a lot about like, if shit hit the fan, like if I woke up in the middle of the night and I like needed somebody for like whatever reason, you know, that's mm -hmm. mostly just an, an anxious mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. Like, who do I call? Mm. Like, who do I, who would I be like my like crazy version of myself with? Like, who would I, be my vulnerable version of myself right. with and like let them in on like asking for help or telling them I'm scared or mm -hmm. telling them I'm sick. Like who would take me to the hospital? Like a lot of people don't have the people in their day-to-day -day life. Cause you need to have somebody in your like more or less day-to-day -day life to feel comfortable to be like, yeah, yeah, no, you can see me at like my worst. Cause you see me at my normal, like all the right. time. Um, so when you're mostly connecting through social media or text or anything, it becomes a lot scarier to let like that other side of yourself totally. be known. And then you feel Cause it's the highlight reel. And yeah. then you're like, uh, shit just got real. Yeah. Like, I need like a real friend right now. Yeah. And yeah. And then I wonder if that's, you know, how people say that people who are in couples, you know, end up, um, living longer and yeah. like living healthier. Totally. And that's probably why, right. They have yeah. that 
companion, that person yes. that creates that sense of safety and protection for them. Well, I mean, that is actually more true for men than it is for women. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Is that right? I didn't know. Yeah, that. because women have that social connection regardless. Like if we all ended up divorced, we would still have a heavily peopled life. Uh-huh. But men tend to rely on the woman to um, provide the social connection in their life. And so without the women, like they're on their own hmm. a lot more. And then they suffer all of the things that are a side effect of loneliness. Um, as well as women make sure that their men go to the doctor. Right. And, and take like, care of their food. Yeah. They nag them the to time. doing the things that they don't want to do. And then they live longer because of it. Yeah. Um, so that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's harder sometimes for men to be vulnerable and to seek help and ask for help. For sure. For sure. But I do really think that that's changing. Do you? So I really do. Do you ever see men on their own? Um, I have very few men on their own. I have uh-huh. a couple, but it's it's tends to be the women that want to come uh-huh. and see me. And so since you mentioned that you did get this training in, in sex therapy so that you'd be well-versed, what are the you know common complaints, struggles that people are coming in with in their sex life? Is there a theme that you see or recurring Hmm. sort of? I don't feel like there is a theme. There is not a theme. No. It's all different in every, every relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a a certain theme doesn't come up Mm -hmm. for that. It is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, What everybody's things are, but I do know that like resentment is no good for anybody's sex life Mm -hmm. and a power differential is no good for anybody's sex life. What do you mean by that? Um, If somebody primarily holds the power in the relationship at the expense of the other, it's hard um, to feel safe enough Uh to have the vulnerability that sex brings up. It's Um, almost like it reminds me of like S&M couples. Like sometimes it's like they swap in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, in the movies I've watched, (laughs) it's like the person who like has all the power then wants to be the submissive. Yeah. Kind of sometimes. I think it can be sexy in a certain way. Uh Uh-huh. But I think like when it comes to like intimacy Uh and like ongoing. Right, right, Ongoing sexual relationship. Like it's. It's much better when you're on even playing fields. Right. Of course. Where where everyone can express their wants and needs. Because it's a safety thing. Yeah. You know? So if you don't feel like emotionally safe in your relationship and considered and respected, then it's hard to like want to get frisky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's something that you've learned. Any, any other things that interesting things in the couple's sex lives? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're like, can you please tell me about anybody says? <laughs> no, I don't feel like I have a lot to speak to about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so when you're working, if someone comes to you and they're a new client, like, is there a specific like approach that you take or, um, any specific sort of, um, thing that you take people through, or is it pretty t- traditional therapy where it just builds each week and um like the process for starting Mm -hmm. so I have a a long intake form which sounds boring but it's really helpful for me to get to know my clients 
individually, whether or not they're coming as a couple or as just on their own. And it's really helpful for people to have to sit down and be like, how do I summarize my relationship with my mom? Like, Oh, like, what is that? And how am I feeling like on a scale of one to 10 satisfied in my work? Like interesting. And so just the process of doing that themselves makes it lend some clarity to like what they want to work on and what they want to talk about. And so for the first couple sessions, it's me just wanting to get to know them and like the context of their life. And so it's kind of all over the place and I'm asking a lot of questions and it's more directed by me, um, which I think is nice to start off with. Cause I know a lot of people come to therapy, very worried that like they're going to come in sit down on the couch and I'm just going to stare at them until they like <laughs> tell me all those secrets. Um, which is like, so intimidating and so uncomfortable and that's not the way it is. So it helps build our connection and, um, and it's a great jumping off point for like, you know, the second, third, fourth session, they'll start coming in with things that they want to talk about right. and want to tell me about. Right. And, and I have a good amount of background information to pull from and to like understand the context of what they're sharing. Um, in addition to that, I really do love to understand where people are on the Enneagram Really, And it really helps me figure out like their worldview and what's important to them. And I have a, an, an exercise. It's a deck of cards that I made. Um, it's a values deck. And I do that with most new clients too, both couples and individuals. Sounds really interesting. It is. It's really cool. So it's a, a deck of 50 neutral values and like everything is important. It's all important. Like I want all of the things, but we don't get to have all of the things. And when we don't choose and prioritize things, then our circumstance chooses for us. And so it's really, really cool to get to see. You should, do you sell those? Yeah, I do on my website. Yeah. It was kind of random. Like I wasn't like, I don't know, selling product felt weird, but I really love the exercise. And so I wanted to make it. I feel like it'd be great for a therapist to have that. Yeah. And it's a really fun thing to do. Like with your partner or with your in-laws. Like I did it with my in-laws. Really? <laughs> they don't like to talk every time. I'm like, how are you? They're like, don't analyze me. <laughs> I was going to ask you, so you're married. Yeah. And so does that, so being a therapist ever come into play in your relationship or how do you t- kind of keep that separate? Oh, how do I keep it separate? I don't think I do keep it separate. I mean, it's you, who you, I am. Hmm? It's who I am, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, I couldn't be married to somebody who wasn't willing to like go there, talk about stuff yeah. with me, you know, yeah. I'm like yeah. sometimes people are like, oh, well, we haven't really talked about that. I'm like, I cannot even imagine right. <laughs> like getting married and not having talked about whether or not you're going to have children. Right. Like, so we talk about a lot and he, um, it's funny. He comes from like a British background where like people don't ask that many questions. They don't talk. They and don't therapy like therapy is very, in. you know, faux pas. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I remember on my first date with him, he was like, you ask so many questions. And I'm like, <laughs> that's how I show love. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, and I have like Italian Jewish background where like, very open. That's how you show love is to be yeah. all up in everybody's yeah. business. <laughs> um, like, wait, you'd want me to be disinterested. <laughs> um, so I think every once in a while, it's not, it's not common that my husband's like, don't, like you're not my therapist. Uh-huh. It, it happens from time to time, but for the most part, like in your own personal life, it's difficult to be. I'm like, my husband, like, will be like, you wouldn't respond to your client that way. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not my client. Right. Like if you want the, 
you know, supportive of a therapist, like go to therapy. Right. I can't separate myself. I can't be here with you as your wife. And then like also be your therapist. It just, and it's just also like you're, you're you yeah. in that moment. You're not the therapist. Right. Yeah. So it, it is separate. Um, but also he surprises me sometimes. And sometimes he'll tell me like, like I'll be telling him a story about something. Maybe it's about me. Maybe it's about something. And he'll like have a really awesome insight. And I'm like, look at you go. <laughs> He's learned from <laughs> he me. He has. Yeah. He has. Um, so that that's a fun way to see it come up too is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's nice when you have that that openness and that also that someone's doesn't close down around it. They're like, Oh yeah, they celebrate that. Yeah. Which is really special. Yeah. It would have been really bad news for somebody to marry me and like not want that in our life. It would just create all sorts of not good. So yeah, I'm lucky that he he appreciates that. Yeah. Good. And it's, it's really, really great to meet you and you seem like you're an amazing therapist. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's really nice to meet you too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you you for inviting me. Thank you for being on. Of course.